quite honestly, the first time I went to counseling, I, I didn't want to go. The second time I went to counseling, I went of my own will to get the help that I needed to process what was going on in my life at the time. The second time that I went, I was really excited to get some help, but I was shocked at first. I went into the counseling session with questions about my life, and I wanted to get some answers. And my counselor just kept on asking me questions. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm paying you $100 an hour and I've got questions and you're asking me questions? That doesn't seem right. But what I didn't realize is this. The best way to find the truth is often on the other side of a good question. In fact, my counselor asked me several sessions in, two questions that really pierced my soul and helped me on the beginning of a journey of healing. And I'll never forget when my counselor looked at me and we were talking about my feelings towards ministry. And he said, who is it that you're trying to impress? And number two, what is it that you're trying to to prove? And I had to be really honest about the answer to those questions. I could see the sickness that was driving me. You know that you could do a good thing for bad reasons? And that started me on a journey toward healing. And it was a good question that helped me find the answer that I was looking for. Well, what's really interesting is in the, if you read the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to see Jesus asking a lot of questions over and over again. You can barely read any conversations that Jesus has before you see him throwing a question back at those who've asked him questions. In fact, he asked over 100 recorded questions in the entirety of the gospel. So what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at four of the most important questions that Jesus asked and let him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be our counselor this morning. So let me show you what's coming up in the upcoming weeks. Today is the first question. For those of you who may be in the middle of a trial, there's kind of a storm that might be going on in your life right now. We're going to ask Jesus, Jesus is going to ask us this question today. Why are you so afraid next week for those of you who may be in need of a miracle you're really in a tough spot and you need the power of God you need a touch from God in your life you can't do something on your own we're gonna gonna be asked the question by Jesus do you believe I can do this The third week will speak to those of you who have an ongoing challenge, maybe a habit that you can't break, maybe a physical problem that you can't overcome, maybe a recurring sin in your life. Jesus asked a question that on the surface seems obvious, but when you dig beneath the surface, it's a really profound question. He asks, do you want to be well? The fourth week on Easter weekend, We're going to deal with one of the biggest challenges, I believe, in the modern church today. And yet one of the least talked about subjects. For those of you who have spiritual doubts, we're going to see Jesus ask the question, why do you doubt? So today, let me give you the context. Mark chapter 4, we're going to see Jesus actually teaching from a boat. Maybe, possibly, quite possibly, that boat is pulled up to the shore and you've got a lot of people gathered around it. And he says this to his disciples. Let's leave the crowd and go to the other side of the sea. And the boat, which was his, his pulpit, his speaking stand, is about to become his sermon illustration. So with that in mind, let's dive. Mark chapter 
chapter 4. We'll read verses 35 through 41, and then we'll break it down verse by verse. Here's what Mark's gospel says. It says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37, here's where it gets interesting. And a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. A squall is a storm. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a boat before that you thought was going to sink. Anyone? Yes. Woo, that would freak me out. I'm just letting you know. But I am a plane traveler. <laughs> and I've been in a plane that I thought was going to crash before. If you've been, ever been on a plane where there was massive turbulence and you are not a believer, but suddenly you become a believer in that moment and you start to pray like, oh God, if you're there, please help me out. And so this is that kind of situation where they're thinking, this is the end. There's massive panic going on on this boat. We're going to drown is what they think. Now, some of you look at the Bible and you're thinking, man, those guys were so dumb. Then they realized that they were rocking it out with the king of the universe, with the prince of peace, with the Lord of lords, with God in flesh. Don't they know that he can calm the storm down? I mean, don't you know that you walk with the king of the universe? Don't you know that you walk with the Prince of Peace? Don't you know that you walk with the one who calms the storms? Yet you get worried too. Yet there are times in your life when you think, this is going to overwhelm me. This is going to sink me. God, help me. If you're real, help me out because I am drowning. And verse 38 says this, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And that's kind of funny to me. They're thinking they're going to drown and Jesus is taking a nap. But I think that there's a lesson here and I'm not going to get into that sermon. But sometimes what you need to do when you're going through a storm is just take a nap. The disciples woke him up, verse 38, and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. Verse 40, and he said to his disciples, and here's the question, say it with me. He said, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? In other words, why are you guys freaking out? Then he says this, do you still have no faith? Can you imagine that? After the disciples seeing that? They probably started to stutter. I mean, Jesus, uh, they were terrified. And they asked each other, verse 41, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Why are you so afraid? I did a lot of research into this text, and, and I'm not a meteorologist at all. I don't, I don't claim to be one, but what I discovered through my research is the Sea of Galilee, the place where they are, and I've been there. It's awesome. I can't wait to go as a church one day. It's about 680 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by literally all of these mountains. And so according to the experts, this is the perfect place for a storm to blow out of nowhere. And it's very common for a storm to explode in to the Sea of Galilee with little to no warning. 
What's interesting is this. As you go through life, sometimes life can be so good and so normal. And everything seems so perfect. And you just wish that you can last and live in this moment forever. And then out of nowhere, a punch comes. The storm comes into your life. It could be that you're having the best sales of your entire career. And then you find out that your company's laying off people. And because you're one of the newest people on the team, you realize your number's probably up. And out of nowhere, things were great and then boom you're out of a job it could be that you thought that your marriage was better than what it's ever been and you think man finally after all these years of working so hard it's smooth sailing and your spouse goes to the doctor to check something out and suddenly you've got terrible news and it comes out of nowhere and you feel like the rug has been pulled out from under you and you don't even know how you're gonna make it or maybe for some of you you think your child's doing good You pray so much and work with your child. You think, okay, we're finally getting on the right track. And then you find out the truth that suddenly your child is making bad decisions. And it doesn't matter what else. And I could tell you this as a parent. It doesn't matter what else is going on good in your life. Everything zeroes in on that. And you find yourself in the middle of a storm. In fact, what's always interesting to me is church people are sometimes the best at hiding the storms that they're in. Some of you right now, you look totally fine, but behind your smile, you're in the middle of a storm and maybe nobody knows about it. In fact, I've seen times where people are jealous of other people going, man, I wish I had their life. I wish I lived in that house. And you're thinking when you hear them say that, if they only knew I'm two payments behind on this house, I might lose this house and nobody knows the private storm that I'm going through. Sometimes people look on and say, man, I wish I had a marriage like that. I mean, they seem to get along so well. And you're thinking, you have no idea. We are faking it on the outside, but on the inside, man, we're barely hanging on by a thread. Sometimes you look so good on the outside, nobody else would know that you go to sleep afraid at night. Sometimes nobody knows that you cry yourself to sleep, that you feel more alone than ever. Even the pressure of a lot of good things, sometimes it feels like way too much. And even though you're blessed in all sorts of different ways, you think there's no way I can keep going at this pace. And so you put on a smile and get on the inside. You're in a storm and nobody knows about it. In fact, I want to ask as gently as I can, and I pray that you'll be honest, how many of you right now would say, and it could be a big one, it could be a small one, it could be one that could be coming. It could be in the life of someone near you that you love. But how many of you would say right now that you or somebody close to you is in the middle of a storm right now? Amen. So many of us so often in our lives are in the middle of things that we just didn't see coming and things that we would never choose for our lives. What I want to do today for this story As Jesus asked this piercing question, I want to show you specifically two things to remember when you're in the storm. Two things to remember and embrace when you're going through the storm in your life. The first one, if you're taking notes, and I hope that this is good news to you this morning, that you are in the storm with his presence. Can you write that down if you can? 
You're in the storm with the presence of a good God. You're not just in the storm with the presence of God. You're in the storm with the presence of a good God. With the presence of a powerful God. You're in the storm with the presence of your God. You're in the storm with the presence of your heavenly Father. Verse 37 and 38 shows us that a furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat. Suddenly it was nearly swamped. But we see in verse 38, Jesus was where? He was in the stern of the boat sleeping on a cushion. Where was Jesus? The stern, sleeping. Jesus was on the boat. Here's what happens so often though. I believe a lot of people think, okay, wait a minute. If I'm with Jesus, there shouldn't be a storm. I gave my life to Christ. Therefore, it should be smooth sailing for the rest of my life. I need to tell you something, church. I'll tell you a fact of life. That's not true in fact jesus said in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world jesus never promised that if you come to him life will be easy life will be storm free in fact the reality is often the opposite when you move from darkness to light suddenly you step into the middle of a spiritual battle so many people look at christianity and they think this is a playground But it's not a playground. It is a battleground between forces of darkness and forces of light. And when you step onto the side of light, suddenly darkness is against you. And you will face opposition. You will face temptation. There will be spiritual warfare. And you, and to think just because I'm with Jesus, nothing should go wrong is actually a distortion of the gospel message. In fact, God never ever promises you that just because Jesus is on the boat that the storm will never rock you. Y'all ever been in a storm? It rocks you and it messes you up. You've been in a storm of life where the one-two punch, you know, you ever seen the movie Rocky before? In one of the Rocky movies, his eyes are like completely closed and he's like trying to box towards the end he's all messed up it looks like it's gonna go down and finally he swings and gets that knockout punch just because jesus is on the boat doesn't mean that he promises that the storm will never rock you what he promises is this and if you can write this down write this down stick this in your heart get a tattoo if you want with this on the storm will never sink you that is what he promises the storm may rock you but the storm will never sink you because god is for you god is with you there is nothing that can take you out of the presence of a good god see jesus was on the boat and when jesus is on the boat that's a total game changer in fact i read this interesting article and it talked about older people And it said this, older people, please listen up. I got a nugget of wisdom for you guys this morning. Older people actually live longer if there's something else living in their house. It's interesting to me. If you're older, you should be taking notes. This is good stuff. You live longer if there's anything else that's living in your house. If it's a house plant, a fern that you need to care for, it can be a cute little lap dog, a big ugly dog. It could be a goldfish, a ferret, a gerbil. It could be a hamster. There's a difference. I'm not sure what it is. Some research even says certain kinds of cats. I don't know yet, though. What I know is that older people live longer when there's something living inside the house. 
every now and then some of you are going to be in the middle of a storm. And it's going to get really, really bad. And people are going to look on and say, how are you getting through that? How are you enduring this? How come your world's falling apart and you're not falling apart? How come everything's going wrong and yet you still have this quiet confidence? Why is that that you're in the middle of the storm and yet there's this blessed assurance? Why is it that you have this peace in the middle of the storm? And what you're going to be able to tell them is this, because there's someone living in my house. You see, there's something in my house, and it's not just life. It is the author of life. You see, his presence is with me. Jesus is on the boat. He is in my house, and because he is with me, I can sense his strength. I can sense his presence. I can sense his power. I can sense his comfort because he is with me. He is in the boat with me, and just because I'm in a storm doesn't mean that he's not walking with me. I always tell people, Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Don't ever let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And I like to personalize scripture. So I like to tame Psalm 46 verse 1 and personalize it. God is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my ever-present help in time of trouble. He is with me in the storm. I love to personalize Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Never will my God leave me. Never will he forsake me. Psalm 23. I love that one. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You see, I'm not staying there, but I'm walking through it. And when I'm walking through it, I will fear no evil. Why? Because my God is with me. He never ever promised the storm wouldn't rock you, but he promised that the storm wouldn't sink you. He's in my house. He's on my boat. I'm not alone in the middle of the storm. And I pray that you find comfort no matter what you're going through, that you are in the storm with his presence. The second thing, if you're taking notes, and this hopefully will minister to you, you're also in the storm for his purposes you're in the storm with his presence you're in the storm for his purposes think about this jesus said let's go to the other side whose idea was it to get in the boat it's jesus's idea let's go to the other side Why was he taking them to the other side? Well, Jesus was God in the flesh and he knew that on the east side of the sea, there was a guy that was hurting himself and he was being possessed by an evil spirit. You know, let me tell you something. Evil spirits don't go away. They're on this earth. Want to know what this guy's issue was? He would cut himself. Cut himself. You see, things don't go away. If you know anything about our young people, you'll know that this is a very active thing in the lives of our young people. And when Jesus was taking the disciples to the other side, Jesus was going to speak healing into this guy's life. And Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew that there would be a storm that would come. Jesus knew that he was taking the disciples on the boat into and through a storm. Whose idea was it? It was Jesus' idea. Who knew that they would be going through the storm? Jesus did. So from the line of logic, we can say that we're not in the storm because we're out of God's will. Some of you guys think that somehow life turned out hard and difficult for you because you're somehow far away from God or you're outside of 
God's will. But here's the evidence from this scripture. They were actually in the storm because they were in God's will. Now, some of you are going to get mad at me right now, and you're going to say, oh, so what you're telling me is that God caused the storm, and I can't get into that territory, nor do I believe that any human being has the ability to describe, did God cause the storm, or did God in his sovereignty allow the storm? I can't answer that question for you, but I can tell you that God always uses the storm to do a work inside of us. In fact, I believe with all my heart, that's why James could say something so powerful as this. James, the brother of Jesus in James chapter one, verses two through four, James chapter one, verses two to four, he says this, consider it pure joy. In other words, move to a state of worship within your soul that you're so full of joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Wait a minute, that sounds ridiculous, Pastor Tom. You rejoice, you throw a party in the middle of the storm. That's what James says, but why? Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith. Some of you right now, guess what? You're in the middle of a test. And a good teacher, why does a good teacher test you? to pass you and promote you, right? And at the end of the year, you take a final exam. And if you pass that final exam, you move on to the next level. And God in his love may be allowing you to experience something, even the testing of your faith, to promote you to another level of belief. And this faith produces perseverance. Something that lives inside of you that's part of your character. James says this, verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The reality is I want to call it like it is. In our church, we have a lot of people who are young in their faith and maybe need some maturing. So how does God mature us? In a lot of different ways. He matures us as we get to know his word. And he renews our mind. He matures us as we discover our spiritual gifts and we make a difference in the lives of other people. He matures us as we go through certain storms so that God does something in us. In fact, some of you, I would say the difference between where you are and where God wants you to be is the storm that you have yet to endure in your life. I'm going to repeat that. For some of you, the difference between where you are and where God has destined you to be is a storm that you have yet to endure in your life. I don't know how many of you, somebody who they're just rock solid in their faith, but I can promise you, they've been through some storms with Jesus. Look at any mature Christian person. They've been through some tough stuff in their life. Here's what they would probably tell you. If you got together with an older person that's endured difficulties in their life, that has sustained faith and they're mature in the gospel, they could tell you because they know his faithfulness they endured. They got to know his presence, so they endured. They've learned that there's a purpose in every single storm, that God is often doing something in us and teaching us something in the middle of a storm that we couldn't learn any other way. Did he cause it or did he allow it? I don't know, but I do know that he always uses it. Let me tell you this, God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a hurt. The disciples, they're panicking. 
Jesus, we're going to drown. Wake up, wake up, Jesus. What does Jesus do? I love this. Verse 39, Jesus gets up. He rebukes the wind. I don't know what that looked like. Can you imagine what that looked like in that moment? Maybe he was like a dad. Bad, bad, bad wind. Relax, stop it. Time out now. I don't know, but he rebukes the wind and he says to the wave, quiet, be still. The wind dies down and it's completely calm. Then Jesus looks at his disciples and asks, why are you so afraid? Could you imagine what a powerful question that was? Oh, why are you so afraid? Don't you remember me opening blind eyes and healing deaf ears? Don't you remember that I am the author of life that's with you? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked each other, whoa. Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? I want you to notice something really interesting. I love entering into the depth of scripture because every once in a while you see this nugget and you're like, whoa. So what happened? Notice what they call him when they go to wake him up. Teacher, teacher, do you care if we drown? At this point, for them, because they were going through the storm, Jesus was just their teacher. What did they call him after the storm? Lord. He's what happened. The fear of the storm started to grow into a holy fear of the Lord. Wow. Who is this that has delivered me? This is amazing. The fear of what might happen to them transferred into a reverential, holy, awe-filled fear of the Lord. I don't know how how many of you have ever been in a tough moment, a tough situation, a singular moment before. I've been in a tough moment before. I've been having a bad day before. All of a sudden, I'm driving. I might be going slightly faster than what I should be, slightly faster than what the law permits. Shame on me. But I've been stopped by a cop before. Cops, license and registration. Sir, what, what are you stopping me for? Well, you're about 25 miles over the speed limit. Okay. <laughs> here's my license. Here's my registration. Here's my, my proof of insurance. Do you have any tickets, any warrants that we need to, to know about? No, absolutely not. I have nothing at all. But you know, I have this little thing, right? It's this little pass. It's this get out of jail free wallet, right? Thank God to my brother-in-law. When he was working in, in federal law enforcement, he gave me this get out of jail free wallet. So, you know, every time I go to open my license, I'm like, here, it's my license, along with everything else. And so I've been having a tough day before, and all of a sudden, the, the officer comes and says, you have no tickets, just watch your speed, you can keep on going, no ticket. I don't know about you, but that brings joy to my day afterwards. I'm like, yes, I made it up. Grace worked. I don't know how many of you have ever been on a rocky... Let me tell you, last year, we, we go every two years to this thing called the General Council of the Assemblies of God. It is, it is a meeting of our denomination, pastors all over the, all over the world gathered together to meet. Last, uh, two years ago, it was in Anaheim, California. So I'd never been to California before. So I'm traveling on a plane on my way to California. There was so much turbulence on that flight, it wasn't even funny. Every two seconds, like things were moving around, like the, the upper back was just opening and falling out. I mean, like it was crazy. And I don't know about you. I'm a faithful person. I may be a pastor, but I was praying in that moment that this plane wasn't going to go down. I'm like, maybe I should call my wife because I'm going to, I need to like leave a voicemail on my phone just in case they find this thing when this plane crashes. 
Then I finally got to the ground. And I don't know how many of you have ever been on a plane before that's rocking all over the place. And you finally hit the ground or you hit the gate and you're like, yes, thank you, Jesus. I want to kiss the ground. And I'm so happy. I'm so glad that I was delivered from this. And so they were so happy, so glad that they were delivered that all of a sudden they began to recognize Jesus from who he was. They went from calling him teacher to calling him Lord. So a lot of you are in the middle of a storm right now. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to ask you this question this morning. Why are you so afraid? Have you forgotten? You're in the middle of the storm with the presence of God. He's for you. He's with you. He's working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You're in the storm with his presence. You're in the storm for his purpose. So why are you so afraid? And as you get to know him, he matures you as you go through some storms and you endure some storms with him. And suddenly here's what happens. In the middle of the storm, you can be afraid because the boat looked like it's about to sink. But suddenly your hope no longer is in the boat because your soul is anchored in the Lord. And that changes everything. You see, my soul is anchored in the Lord because he's on my boat. He's in my house. He dwells with me. He's with me. He's for me. Therefore, he has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Why are you so afraid when Jesus is with you on the boat?